Hey, look who's on TV, Barker. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing well. Doing well. It's Blair and Barker, the podcast on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and on Sportsnet 360. And I knew today was going to be different because Barker showed up with a bat. Well, actually, no, the story is that Barker rolled in here all excited about explaining Danny Jansen's new stance approach and uh, said, I'm going to get a bat because I'm on TV. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, the scary thing is, we did have a bat in the office, but <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, <laughs> it had the Chicago Cubs on it. I don't, I don't no, know. We're good that. with that. What it came from? So I had to go to the truck. That's not scary. Barker, had it. You had a bat in I had the, to go truck. To the truck. I had to go to the truck. What neighborhood do you live in that you got a bat in the truck? I mean, what you? you I know you live in Etobicoke. You live in a pretty. I mean, you live in a in a fancy schmancy neighborhood. I can't imagine that. You need a bat in the truck. Yeah, I can you never, just have, I can just never let it go. I'll always be a hitter at heart. You'll always see me with a bat in the car. Always. Has nothing to do with where I live. Uh, everything to do with you never know when, you know, you got to get the feel. Show me what you show me what you're working with. So you're just driving down the road and, and you're in yeah, a traffic pull over for jam. a second. I'm I'm thinking of something. Most people pull over to do something else. Barker pulls over because he's thinking of yeah, which is I'm why happy. I love I'm, you because you're always wired in on baseball. I'm happy. For, I'm happy for Danny. D- Danny looks like he's figured something out yes, mentally, which is the biggest deal there. Now it's about getting a good pitch to hit, and you know he, he's going to help the bottom of the order when he's doing what he's doing now. Now can he do this all year? Probably not. But if he can do this some of the time, it's only going to be beneficial for that lineup. Make it longer, which I is a good saying, thing. Channel your inner Mike Zanino. That is that is the way towards happiness for. Danny Jansen. The Jays started their regular season this weekend with a season-opening homestand against the Texas Rangers. They will play the Yankees tonight, the first of four games in the Bronx, the first of a run of games that will see them play 20 of 23 (laughs) against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Houston Astros. They've got that nice little three-game set against Oakland back here at the Rogers Center next weekend, thrown in the middle of it. So let's... uh, Let's take a look back at the weekend and look ahead to the series against the Yankees. Marley Rivera will join us to do that. C.J. Nitkowski, who is here as part of the Rangers TV crew, will join us as well. Lots of takeaways from that 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 homestand. Some of them good. Uh, Jays took two of three. A big rally in the first game after uh, Jose, Jose Barrios Lasted a third of an inning. Couldn't make it out of the first inning. Got one out. Got one out. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Saturday, Kevin Gossman gave you pretty much exactly what you expect to see from a starting pitcher in his first outing. And uh, Jay's backed him up with some with some offense. And yesterday, Sunday, Hyunjin Ryu looked like the guy that would finish third in Cy Young Award voting a couple of years ago for two innings. Three innings. And... I used the phrase, he ran out of gas, which you immediately upbraided me for because, yeah, I I think it is one of those phrases that maybe doesn't necessarily explain what exactly happened. But when this was all done, Kevin, the starting pitching through eight and two-thirds innings, the bullpen was called upon to pitch 18 and a third innings in the first three games. Jordan Romano got the save in the first two games. Jimmy Garcia pitched well in the first two games, but in and around that, and Richards and Simber did what Richards and Simber are going to do, but in and around that, Kevin, the 
Um, what would you call them? Not the complimentary pieces of the bullpen. Supporting cast. The supporting cast of the bullpen had a pretty difficult time. And now they go into New York. We know that Alec Manoa starts tonight. We know that you say Kikuchi starts tomorrow. He, to put it politely, did not have the type of spring that answers lingering questions from last year. So all that, oh, and by the way, the, the Jays hit a ton of home runs. <laughs> including Vladdy hitting his longest, the longest home run of his yeah. career so far, not including the one he hit in the All-Star game, which apparently was a foot farther. Hmm. So let's all, taking all that into account, two or three from Texas. Texas, a much better lineup than the Texas Rangers. They have, what, they have 102 losses last year or something like that. It's last year. That is last year. So pick a door. Let, let's go door number one. You want to go good or you want to go bad? Door? I, I, I want to go... I, First, I want to go, let's go good door, good door. Let's go good door. Let's talk about the power. Uh, Let's talk about, you know, everybody seemed to, in the first three games of the season, I mean, it seemed as if most guys found their hitting shoes. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the power. And and let's talk about the complimentary. Let's talk about the offense, the complimentary offense from guys like Espinal. Yeah. And Danny Jansen. Yeah, yeah. The Espinal thing for me anyway is, is you know, it's a little bit of the unknown. How's he going to look if you consistently play him five days a week? You know, we're not going to say seven days a week. You say five days a week. Is he good enough to lay off the strike-to-ball slider? Is he good enough to to turn on a fastball up and in with the nice little new leg kick, the, the stronger lower, lower half that he has? We have no idea. Do you have any idea? I don't have any idea. That's, I think, a little bit of the unknown. Uh, you know, further to that, Danny Jansen, for me, we'll talk a little bit more about him a little bit later. I, I like what he's doing. I think he's in a, in a nice mental space, which is a huge deal for him. When Everything that's on his plate when it comes to the catching part of it and putting the fingers down, and now that new pitch comp thing, you can see it's like he's got it in the, he's got it in the inside. That. He's actually got it on his, right, on his right knee pad. He's got it both places, he, depending on who it is on the mound and, and – you know how how they how he wants to set up behind the plate. It's it's a lot of thought there that goes into that. So it's nice to see him offensively, not so much thinking about what he's doing defensively. You know, he's not carrying it over now, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice to see. We saw it in spring training, and now we're seeing that carry over early in the season here. Uh, it's you know the offensively, other than the first time through the order in the first game, they've had some quality at bats, and yeah. and you got obviously we knew this was going to happen. You know, it's it's I. Still are some questions about the the two pitch thing against a a good right handed pitcher, but let's not talk about that. That that's that's long term. That's down the road. What you saw was they're still very aggressive. They're they're trying to hunt their pitch. You know, Matt Chapman's a, an intriguing guy to see. Can he lay off the elevated fastball? Words out. You know, he's he's a little bit like Kevin Biggio. A right-handed Kevin Biggio when it comes to the elevated fastball, the elevated hard stuff. You know, his approach, his stance to start is a little taller. I used to try and be taller at the plate. It's hard sometimes to judge up and down, and you tend to swing at the ball elevated because that ball, when you're taller with your stance, looks like it's right down the middle. Mm -hmm. So you could tell when he gets the ball down, the bat pass there, the bat speed's there, the hand-eye coordination, the -the bat-to-ball skills, and you see how far the ball goes, these shorter ballparks. He's going to do some things. You know, he's, he, if he can cut down a few more strikeouts, that'll lead to a few more hard-hit balls and who knows, hitting sixth or seventh, what he can do there. I, I like the lineup. And then it turns around to the rotation. How much do you read into 
quite frankly, how bad it was. You know, Gosman's one of the guys, you know, you can read into how many innings he went. That's nice. Still the elevated. He's a north and south guy. The elevated fastball, you know, you saw him. He had a tough time getting it up. Again, this is it's his first start, the adrenaline, wanting to do well. You know, he, he knows who he's replacing. You don't have to tell him that. There's something to that. So I expect the second start will be much better. Barrios, we were talking before we went on the air. I just hope Barrios doesn't try to live up to the contract. You could you could tell Listen. the choking, the overthrowing of the breaking ball. It was there. It was something. And he even mentioned that yeah. game. So let's hope that's that's not something he goes through. And I don't think he will. He's been around long enough to, to be able to separate a bad outing and come back the next time and have a good one. And I expect he'll do that. Yeah. I mean, listen, Jose, uh, Jose Barrios is not even in the top 300 of my concerns with, with the Blue Jays. I'm not worried about him trying to do too much. I've seen guys... I, I've seen guys have lousy first starts on opening day, sure. and and it's a different it's a different you know it's a different time it's a different feel, uh, the pregame ceremonies all that stuff. I know people are rolling their eyes, but I'm just telling you, you know, Garrett Cole talked about hey, I had a shaky first inning in my start against Boston because it was just there's all this stuff going on. Some guys are like that, but as I said on Blue Jays talk. All weekend, and we're going to be continuing this discussion for a while. I just, because of spring training, because of the shortened, compressed nature of it, because a guy like Kevin Gossman pitched in one Grapefruit League game and spent the rest of the time in the backfield, Mm. I'm not going to draw any conclusions about any starting pitcher until we're a month into the season. Really? It's going to take a full month. I, I'm I'm willing. Yeah, I think it yeah, might. Okay. I, Kevin, Kevin, Bark, I, I don't know. But all I'm saying is, I, this is all I'm saying is this is a different set of circumstances than we've seen before. I, I, I would say this. I, I would say where the Blue Jays want to go in the schedule that they're about to have the first month of the season. I'm not sure that you can have. Kevin, other teams Barrios are going to have three three bad starts in a row. Well, or, no, I'm not or saying Avery, you having three bad starts in a row. I'm not Come gonna, on, you know I'm what? I'm just not sure you, you can you can afford I'm to have that. I'm not saying three there, bad starts. There needs starts. to be a little bit of a of a process here. I think that's your point. Is that the process has to can't be one out. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a well, little bit better Kevin, than that. I will, I will you know, tell the you next this. start has to. The, what do you the, think the, the odds are? Is a little bit better, and and the what location you, and strike ones and the flow of the game and. What do you think the odds are that that? Uh, Barrios goes more than an inning in his next start. Like well, that's not great. That 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 he goes. Yeah, that he has yeah. a better start. Obviously, obviously yeah, he's gonna he's, he's gonna get more than one out. But, but I'm I saying, can't even believe that's I, a topic of conversation with people. Yeah, I don't think it really is. But I, you're you're asking what was takeaways from yeah from the All first right. three games. And I, the first three games were when you having conversations that the Blue Jays organizations having and everybody else that talks about the Blue Jays. They're two and one, just like the Yankees. I understand that, but you know they were down seven nothing, so it could have went. That's all I'm saying. Like it's it's there, yeah. there's room for improvement in some places. Yeah, there's room for improvement there just go. about every team in the majors sure. right now in terms of starting pitching, but. I, I take your point. Uh, obviously, you wanted you wanted to see Barrios go five innings. I mean, you wanted yeah. to see a guy who you are counting upon to be your ace. You wanted to see him turn in an ace-like sure. performance. It didn't happen. So you move on. And you look at this guy's track record. He'll be better next time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we had this argument before coming on. He has a 
better track record of success. Because you talked about, boy, Robbie Ray would look good. Yeah, Robbie Ray would look good. I have more confidence in Jose Barrios doing what Jose Barrios has done yeah. throughout his career than Robbie Ray doing what Robbie Ray did last year. People, I, I I just do. People get people get hurt. You know, for me, I want when 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 these guys take the mound. Give them a chance to win most of the time, if not all of the time. Like they're, the expectations are here now. Like it's it's not two years ago. It's the expectations are a little different coming into this season. You expected a little bit more. Again, you got your one little mulligan there. Listen, now you go and you make some adjustments. You come back the next day, and I'm sure it'll be better. Yeah, you got to win. You have to win series. I I I, I talked about this with you over the weekend. You have to win series, and I'm convinced that at the start of the year, the Jays are game planning this to try to win each series. And that may mean at times, it doesn't mean you throw a game away, but it certainly factors into your decision-making. You can't tell me that if the Rangers and Jays had split the first game of that series, the Jays wouldn't have maybe managed their bullpen a little differently. In the third game. Shorter leash with Ryu, maybe? Yes. That's what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of Hyunjin Ryu, uh, flew through the first three innings. Uh, looked, looked really good. Curveball's good. Curveball was. And, and then, and I, I'm sitting there watching this and thinking, you know, as long as he doesn't fall in love, not fall in love with the cutter, but as long as he doesn't get in that groove he sometimes gets with his cutter, he's going to be fine. Well, I've heard people say he ran out of gas. As I said, I'm I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. Yeah, I'm not. But he couldn't get out of that. He couldn't get out of that fourth inning. Yeah, for me, it's in, it's in game adjustments. We've seen that last part of last year and the first start here. It's when you you for whatever reason, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's mechanical. We saw him when he first got here as a Blue Jay. It was easy for him to make an adjustment. You could see him. He'd throw it. Uh. You could see it actually churning between the years that he knows exactly what to do. He's going to walk around the mound, going to rub the ball up, and then he's going to get on the mound. Danny's going to put the sign down, and he's going to hit the target. For whatever reason, he's not been able to do that, and that's the thing is, until for me, anyway, he can consistently hit that black part on the inside part to a right-handed hitter. You can elevate it with the cutter. You can throw the four-seamer, and you can live right there to make everything else better. The slow breaking ball, the backdoor cutter, the arm speed, and the fade, and the sink on the changeup. Those are not going to be good until, for me, he can consistently do that. And that's the question is, what? when do you know that as a pitching coach and as a manager that it looks like you don't have it? That's the question. I, th- I think they're, they're going to have to be careful when wins mean what they mean this year because right. of the division you're in and where you're trying to go is how do you know? Like, how, you know, you're going to have to be, there's going to have to be something in there that, that you know, that you see that tells you, nah, he just doesn't have it. He's not going to be able to get it in there consistently, and we're going to have to go to somebody else and do it quicker. And In, in his defense, a little play on words there. In his defense, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. didn't help him out tremendously. A couple of ill-advised throwing He walks the, throwing he walks the leadoff hitter in the third inning up four runs. He walks the leadoff hitter up five runs yeah. in the fourth inning. Again, there's some things that we talked about that need to be cleaned up. Smarts. Knowing what part of the game you're in. Knowing, you know, if you keep a guy at first base, you still got the double play in order. Don't be so aggressive. You clean those kind of things up. It's just the little mistakes that a veteran guy who, you know, we're thinking should have a bounce back year. That should come in here and give them a chance. 
you know, so you don't have to see the raw striplings and the Julian Merriweather so early that it puts their team in a position that, that it of put which, them in. Speaking of which, we saw the Blue Jays bullpen chalk up 18 and a third innings in these three games. Obviously, when your opening day starter doesn't make it out of the first, and when your number three starter can't make it out of the fourth, you um, obviously you're going to rely a lot in your bullpen. Jordan Romano, Jimmy, Gar- uh, Jimmy Garcia, Simber and Richards, and to a certain degree, David Phelps. All I, I thought, I thought looked pretty good. Yeah, Trent Thornton did what Trent Thornton does. I give him credit yesterday him, for I, me anyway. The, I, what I saw, he made some adjustments. When he's got, he is. Does have an ability to spin it. Yeah, the, if the he, new slider that right he's working spot, on was. You can put him effective. in the right spot, and that thing is more twelve six instead of that one yeah. to seven thing. And he has a little bit better mechanics when it comes to the finish, and he can make that thing look like a stri- strike for longer periods of time. He's a decent pitcher. Now, I'm not saying you bring him in in giant spots when you got a one run lead. You're not mm-hmm. going to do that because you have other options. But give well, him credit; he made an adjustment. That was one, my one point. To the next. That was my point. Uh, Ross Stripling came in yesterday, three walks, uh, and we know that Ross Stripling is a, Ross Stripling. I, I kind of view the bullpen this way: there is there are a preferred list of relievers: Romano, Garcia, Simber, Richards, Meza. There, Phelps. Phelps, thank you. There are guys, Merriweather, Sacedo, Thornton. Stripling's kind of he's the hybrid. A he'll, foot he'll in spot one camp. starts. Right. He's he's a yeah. foot. He's a foot in, in in one camp. Long early. So, does what we saw this weekend? Does it say? Are, are there long term concerns for the bullpen? Like, uh, to, uh, to me, as long as those top, that top group is doing what they can do, I'll, I'll trust the the front office to figure out how they address that bottom three or whatever. One of the things that stood out to me that I thought was a little bit of a concern, and maybe I'm I'm being, you know, maybe I'm guilty of doing the stuff that I try to tell people not to do. The Texas Rangers struck out an average of nine times per game last year. Now, they weren't horrible, mm-hmm. but they I believe, as a matter of fact, they might have been 10th or 11th in baseball. For all the good work the bullpen did, not a ton of strikeouts in there. Yeah. Not a lot of shutdown stuff that I saw. I yeah, a runner on third or less than two outs. You got to punch somebody out. You yes. really didn't see it. You know, again, you could go down the list here. Taylor Saucedo, for me, I'll, I'll name that guy. It's 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 a only you know as early as it is into the season. But if he can't get lefties out for he's me, he's no not he's, he's not a big leaguer. Yeah, like you you know where you're trying to go, and they're going to bring him in to get some tougher lefties out. You know some Rafael Devers of the world. Do you feel confident in what you saw early? He's given up three home runs and two outings. You know the he just doesn't look the same as it did when it was in spring training for whatever reason. I uh, I will flip it on its other end. I think the rotation has to be better to hide weaknesses out of the bullpen. We mm-hmm. know the names that are good in the bullpen. We know who Charlie feels confident in, that when they have the lead, they're bringing these guys in. We're going to live and die by what we have here. Different arm angles, you know, change-ups, changing speeds, trying to, 
you know, eliminate some bat speed, those things, and then the eighth and ninth inning, they think they got it taken care of. For me, rotation's got to be a little bit better second time through to hide the Taylor Saucedos, to make it a little easier for Charlie and Pete Walker to make the right decision. I think, look, I think Charlie made, anyway, when I was watching the games, I thought he made every right decision that he was supposed to make with the, with the hand that he was dealt. Yep with the people that he had to use. Now, we have no idea in game three who was available. We, we don't know that, and that's something else. You know, the Jimmy Garcias and, and the Trevor Richards, we have no idea if they were available. So it was – Of those those other relievers, the guy that was most disappointing to me, frankly, was Julian Merriweather because I didn't see what I need to see from velocity. him. I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't see that philosophy. For his for his changeup to be good anyway, 95 is not going to play. No. Just don't have enough late giddy up. Let the hitter tell you what that fastball looks like when a guy's standing at the plate. If he looks like he's out front, he looks like the, the hip's opening up a little early because he's cheating because it either he hides it well or it's just got giddy up, and he knows he's got to get it geared up, and that makes the changeup that much better. 95, you could tell, wasn't playing. My My first thought was – this would have been a good series mm-hmm. to have Nate Pearson on the sure team. Sure would have. Like we're beginning to see now, I think, why so many people in the organization wanted to have Nate Pearson as as a as a as a piggyback kind of a kind of a Velocity. hybrid guy. We saw, I think, in this series why he 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 could have been so important to this bullpen. And according to Charlie Montoyo and Nate Pearson, who of course didn't break camp with the team. Because of mononucleosis, he started throwing yesterday, I believe. But, and this is a quote from Charlie, uh, he is, quote, back to square one. So (laughs) for Nate Pearson, it's almost as if spring training didn't happen. So Nate Pearson is now on a a program that you would be on in spring training. I don't know what that means. I don't know when we could expect to see him up. I, I wouldn't count on it. Would you count on it this month? End of the month, maybe. End of the month. It's going to give other guys, the, the Merryweathers, you know, uh, Rocky, if he gets back, it's going to give some guys some opportunities to shine. Yeah. And, you know, tell the manager and the pitching coach that they're, they should be in the big leagues on a team that's supposed to win and go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, the Nate Pearson thing, I don't think we should even talk about it until he actually shows up. And, you know, I, I don't know what square one means. Does that mean well, strength? He's been at square one an awful one? lot. He has been. He's, so you, he's the mayor of square one. I want to be real comfortable, real careful about how we talk about Nate Pearson and and, and what's going That's on true. with him. So until we actually see him, it, that conversation really can't happen. But, you know, they, they, they've won two out of three. It's, 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 it's hard unless you're playing the Orioles, let's be honest. I, you know, I don't want to pick on the Orioles. It's hard to, to sweep teams at the big league level. Right, you got to be real good consistently a lot of the times in all parts of the game. And when you're not, big league teams are going to take advantage of that. I want to talk a little more about the power we saw to the Blue Jays this weekend. Uh, offensively, this team certainly came as, came as advertised. And I think a lot of the national writers in the U.S. are already predicting that the Jays are going to take a run at the single-season home run record. I mean, they're on pace for what right now, 535? No, it's not, not quite that. A lot. They're on pace for a, for, for a ton of home runs. I want to focus on that. And I also want to focus a little more on Danny Jansen in particular and his contribution uh, to this lineup. Because as both Kevin Barker and our next guest, Joe Siddle, uh, have, have said several times, the bottom of the order, if it can at all put a little pressure on the pitchers, 
and turn over the lineup with a runner in scoring position. Yeah. It's I, an example of that is look at John Gray out of the windup, how in a routine he was. Danny gets the 17 hopper through the first and second base hole, and then all of a sudden he's out of the stretch and the stuff didn't look the same. That's the point. Want to talk about that with you and Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet 360. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that Kevin and myself are uh, the new co-hosts of Blue Jays Talk following every Blue Jays game. And, um, well, if you've listened to Blue Jays talk for the past couple of years, you've known that with the pandemic and, and with the with the pandemic and with some of the technical, technological issues that it, uh, it brought about, um, we haven't been taking calls as much as we have in the past. That's not the case anymore. Uh, we are say the pandemic's over it clearly isn't but things are a little bit back to normal and as part of that normality calls are very much back on blue jays talk um we want them we're going to solicit them you're going to get sick of me reading out the numbers i know i do but the idea is because this is going to be such an interesting team, such an intriguing team, and is a, a, a team that, oh, let's face it, there are a lot of people in the industry think this team is going to the World Series. Want to create a, we want to create a space, Kevin and myself want to create a space for people to talk about the Blue Jays. Um, doesn't mean we're going to flame everybody who calls up. That's not what the show is going to be about. Uh, I mean, I can't guarantee that I won't go over the edge every now and then. You know, like I've done with Santiago Espinal, Kevin Biggio. I'm done with that argument. It's not an argument. No, but I mean, I'm, I, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Let's, let's let that play out. But anyhow, after every game, including tonight against the New York Yankees, you're going to hear me come on after the game with Barker, and I'm going to say the numbers are 416-870-0590, star 591, triple A, triple six, zero five ninety. And uh, it's your show. We're just simply the... We're teeing it up for you. Yeah, we're, we're simply the conductors. I don't even know if that's the word. Kind of. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of provide the guardrails, and you can take the car and bounce it off the guardrail any, any way you want. And every now and then, we may let somebody go over the guardrail. Hmm. So that is Blue Jays talk after every Blue Jays game with Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker. And on the weekend uh, on Saturday... Uh, the lovely and talented Blake Mitchell will be in charge of it. Blake Murphy. Blake Mitchell is going to be there sometimes, too, as a co-host. Mm. Let's bring in Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst on Sportsnet. I got that name right. Siddle, what's up? Thanks for joining <laughs> us, man. Good morning, gents. Always a pleasure. So, uh, Barker and I, we're, we're, we're discussing off the air a little bit about you know, everything, everything everybody's been talking about for these three games. And, you know, I, I said there there are... I thought about this driving home last night. First series of the year, shortened spring, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. What did I see in those three games that 
if you had said at the start of the series I was going to be thinking about, I would have said no. One was Jose Barrios not making it out of the first inning. Two was Danny Jansen having a couple of home runs. So I, I, I will ask you about those two things, first of all, to get the conversation going. Um, I don't think we can read it. I don't think we should read a great deal into Barrios. I don't know if you are. I'm not. I'm wondering what I need to read into Danny Jansen. Well, he's uh, leading the team in home runs. Did, did we pick that one? No. <laughs> so with Danny, I still think, um, you know, and I've heard we've all probably had that conversation. Man, if he could pop 15 or 20 homers, catch a good game, handle a pitching staff, he's your guy, right? And he's already showing, and he has shown in the past, that he can pop some homers. I just think with Danny, it's, it's more of an inconsistent approach with his swing. And I know the comparisons have been made to like a Mike Zanino hit 25, 30 home runs, be that kind of guy. I got news for you. Mike Zanino's swing is very different than Danny Jansen's. If Mm. you really break it down and look at it slow motion, especially from the side. So when I break out, break down Danny's swing and I always made some changes and that's great. Hitters, good hitters are very consistent. When I say consistent, they're consistent with their moves and their moves are, are very good that, allows them to get to the fastball. It allows them to be on time for breaking balls. Kev, you know this. Yeah. I mean, when you're grooving, right, you're hitting both. Now, I know you're looking heater, but you can handle both. And we know Danny in the past has had trouble with the heater. I mean, it's kind of like having Biggio from the other side, right? Yeah. That mid-90s plus they have trouble with. And the reason they have trouble with it is what I see is Danny's got like a almost a little collapse on his front side as he goes and has these drifting forward and collapses. That heater gets on you. Now, he got to that pitch beautifully yesterday for the home run. And and now he's got a couple. So he can do that. I would say guys like that can do that once in a while. They're not going to probably do it with much consistency. When I look at Zanino's swing, I think he's got a much more solid front side where he stays behind the baseball so well that he can get to it more consistently. So I see a difference there. That's why I don't really like the comparisons when I hear those two names especially. But can he be serviceable? Absolutely. For sure. Just keep doing what you're doing right now because that's, uh, that, w- that works. You don't need him at the bottom of this Blue Jays lineup to hit 280. You don't even need him to hit 30 home runs. Just be- and the one thing he dandy does, too, is he's got a pretty decent eye at the plate. So he gives you a good A-B for the most part. But uh, a little bit early to say that he's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs, All I right. think. But uh, so far, so good in terms of that. Joe, what was more concerning to you? Were you start or Burrios' start? Honestly, I'd say neither. And the reason I say neither, Jeff, is because I'm not in the least bit concerned about Barrios. I, uh, I joked and I said, in honor of Masters weekend, we'll give him a mulligan because <laughs> we know we're going to see a lot better from Barrios this year. Hey, he's a veteran. He's done it before opening day. Uh, you shouldn't have jitters, but guess what? He's, he's a human being like all of us, and we have emotions, and I'm sure it got to him a little bit. He just was not sharp, and it was pretty clear. I'm not, not in the least bit worried about him. Let's talk about him after a few starts and see where he's at the end of this month. I say n- neither because even with Ryu, I'm not sure what everyone was expecting from Ryu coming into the season. I remember doing a spring training game, and on March 25th, guess what that was? That was his 35th birthday. And it's not the same guy. It's not the same guy we've seen in the past, one of the top pitchers in baseball. And I think yesterday what we saw was a little bit of a change of approach. We saw a lot more curveballs and fewer cutters, and that's not him. Mm-hmm. I think it had a little bit to do with the opposing lineup and maybe wanting to go softer against a very aggressive Rangers lineup. But I also think it's the result of some of the things we saw last year. 
he continues, and Kev, you've talked about it. I've heard you. Mm-hmm. He continues to struggle glove side with that fastball and cutter. And if he can't get it into those righties, he's in big trouble. He has to be able to show that in there. Think back when he has been really good. That's all I talked about is how he pounds the fastball cutter into righties. It sets up his changeup away, and his command was so good. He's having trouble getting that ball in glove side. Now, is that age? Is it fatigue? Is it weight? Whatever. Who, who knows what it is? But the fact of the matter is he's having trouble doing it, and that impacts him greatly. If you're Danny Jansen behind the plate, I know you used to try and catch. Is When you got a guy on the mound, like you mentioned, that's having trouble with a couple of his really good pitches that he has to have, what do you do? Like, you, do you do you make a bigger target? Do you set up more on the plate? Do you eliminate one of them? You know, because they're going to need him to give you a little bit better effort than what he gave you last outing, and they're going to need to see some strides forward, right? They're going to need to see that that cutter d- uh, command is a little bit better, and the four seamer. Because I saw velocity yesterday. I don't know about you, but I saw ninety one consistently. Yeah. Velocity it was, was, it, yeah, was, it, it, was it, above what it normally. It is. was there most of the time on all of his pitches, but it's just the location, like you mentioned. Is it confidence? Is it mechanics? But if you're a catcher, what do you do? The, the one thing you can do as a catcher in this situation is you got to get in there even more to the righties. You got to get right up in under their hands and really try to present that target. Now, sometimes, and I've done that in the past too, and the umpire will tap you and say, Hey, that's a little too much, Joe. I got <laughs> I got to get in there too, you know. So you can't do it too much and make it too obvious, but that's what can help a pitcher, uh, just giving them a better visual. But I think more often than not, when pitchers, and, and I mean, Ryu's in another class, he's one of the elite of the elite. Now, of course, he's on the downside, maybe. But for most pitchers that have trouble doing that, let's say a lefty tr- can't get it in against right-handers, the problem is they'll try harder. And when you try harder, guess what you do? You fly open even more in that arm trails. We saw him several times early on yesterday where he was trying to come in with that cutter or four-seamer into the right. And he left it like really high or high and kind of away. And it's almost like he's trying so hard because he knows he's having trouble getting in there. So it's a little mental, but I think it's it, more than anything, it is mechanical. And, uh, Again, is it is it the body? Is it the arm speed that, that's not allowing him to get there? Those things, to me, are related to age. Now, I'm not saying the guy's over the hill and he's done by any means, but let's all admit that he's not the same pitcher as he used to be, and I think age has something to do with that. Joe, the Jays' offense pretty much came as advertised. It certainly did. Uh, it certainly did in Game One. We saw that the the inning that completely just unraveled John Gray. Balls hit to the opposite field. I, it was almost like every spring training at bat, it seemed, was almost you know sort of compressed into that particular inning because the approaches were so good. Uh, you know, Vladdy, we and I think the point was made during the telecast. Vladdy didn't go up and try to hit a five-run home run. We just we we really saw the whole pass the baton thing that I get tired of hearing people talk about. But we really saw that approach with this offense. And that leads to power, doesn't it? Well, I, I think that's you, you hit the nail on the head there. Everybody, in, I mean, across Major League Baseball, you talk about the Blue Jays. Oh, my gosh, that lineup. They just mash. They mash. But they do a lot more than mash. And, and you said, like, opening day, Vladdy had two RBI singles to right field. Who mm-hmm. would have picked that one, right? Like, yep. that's what tells you how good these guys are. That's why Vladdy could win a batting title one day. And, I, you know, I, I say the same thing about Bo. I, I, I would say less so, obviously, because it's a little more violent. There's a lot more going on there. But same thing, how these guys can just take balls the other way. Tasker does it. The guy's a flipping silver slugger award winner. And he'll bounce stuff to right field because he can handle the bat and do it. That's what makes them so difficult and then now you're trying to pitch to these guys 
away from their power, but then they just beat you another way. So I, that was my, to be honest with you, that was probably one of my bigger takeaways of the weekend mm-hmm. is, yes, how great they hit and the home runs and all, but but the other part and the approaches, they just can beat you so many ways. And, you know, you I look at that opening day lineup, but when Kirk is in that lineup, that's a deep lineup with Kirk and then Chapman and then Jano and then Biggio or Espinal ninth or, or eighth to ninth. I mean, that's uh, – with that Kirk's bad in there really changes things. If you compare it to say yesterday with Tapia in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's just very different at the bottom. So it's a deep lineup and these guys can contribute. Remember Kirk's base hit to right field that really got things going on, um, mm-hmm. on Saturday to come back in with us. Nice base hit to right field. Again, it's that approach. They can, they're tough to pitch to when I, you're I, facing guys like that. They're tough to pitch. to. I, I've heard you talk about Matt Chapman and the elevated fastball. And I wanted to ask you being a catcher and you were watching a guy that, you know, has some issues laying off that may not have issues squaring it up and hitting it, but just may have issues of chasing the borderline one. Do you think that's an easy fix for him in season? I think health is going to play a big factor here, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what I talked about is that with his hip surgery and, and he, I think, was susceptible because he came back and he admitted to me down in Dunedin that he just he didn't, it wasn't full strength. And I haven't had a major surgery like that. But coming back from that, it's really hard to just go right back into the games and be 100%. So I think he spent the year almost feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm back, I'm healthy, but now he's had a full off season to get strong. He mentioned his core all around all the surrounding areas that help him. So now when you're healthy, it allows you to put a better swing on the baseball when he wasn't quite a hundred percent. And I'm referring to last year. I think what he's saying is, is you start cheating a little bit and because you're not sure I, I had one minor knee injury. And I remember coming back and the biggest thing coming back was that fear factor of not really trusting it. So what do you do? You compensate. And I think that's what he was doing last year. And now guys, pitchers were attacking him up in the zone and then he would try to cheat to get it. So how do you cheat? You kind of jump out there a little bit or you, you leave the, leave with that front side a little bit. So you really start working underneath the baseball and it was just really working against him. So what I saw in that home run was an adjustment in the at-bat because mm-hmm. the Rangers were pounding him up with those fastballs. And he was, it wasn't top of the zone, but it was up there a little bit where at least he was able to, as you know, the ball up in the zone, that, yeah. that bat plane is going to flatten out a bit. And he did that. So I thought that was a great indication. And uh, we'll just see moving forward if he can keep doing that. With Zimmer on the team now, Bradley Zimmer, how do you think they handle the five outfitters? Well, you know, for top, you know, first of all, I mentioned Tapia's name. I mean, to me, he's, he's that pinch runner, steal a base late in the game, maybe got a start now, but I want, I want to see Zimmer. I mean, this, this guy's a really good center fielder. And, uh, you know, we don't ever want to talk about George Springer going down for any length of time. No. But if he were to go down for a few weeks, I think Zimmer's your center fielder every day. He can fill in in that regard and keep Tapia as your backup, kind of mix him in the lineup here and there. Charlie got him in there on the weekend. But that's how I see him. I mean, he's had some struggles offensively, of course, but he can flip, he can go get him in center field. He's And that's, you know, I think that was my biggest issue. Not issue, but when Grichik was traded for Tapia, I was like, well, you kind of traded away the one guy that can still play a little center field yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. And I was worried about that in the sense that if, if George were to go down at all, but maybe the Blue Jays were too, and they knew they were going to do something else. And sure enough, Zimmer has arrived. So I see him getting, um, you got you got to spot start a guy every once in a while. Maybe George will DH. I would rather see him in center field than Tapia. And I think that's what we'll probably see moving forward. And uh, but defense in center field is huge, as we know, and especially if you do have some fly ball pitchers. And Blue Jays have a little bit of both. They have the ground ball pitchers, but they also have some fly ball pitchers, so that'll help a ton. Joe, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys, have a great day.
Thank you. That is Joe Siddle, Blue Jay Central Analyst. He and Jamie will get you set for tonight's game. First pitch is at 7.05 from the Bronx. First of four against the Yankees. 20 of the next 23 Jays games are against the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Houston Astros. <sighs> so... Well, that screams you better. You better have a little bit better starting pitching, and your and your defense needs to clean right. some things up. Be smart about where you're throwing the baseball. The uh, Jays Yankees is one of twelve games on the Major League Baseball slate today. Cleveland and Kansas City, the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee and Baltimore. Baltimore is going to have a long, 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 long year, which kind of makes me happy. Colorado and Texas, mm. Boston and Detroit. Oakland and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, pretty good start, even though it was against the they. They got many Red ways Sox. to beat you. Oh yeah, yeah. Philly and the Mets, Washington and Atlanta. Let's never forget about Atlanta. Seattle and Minnesota, Miami against the LA Angels, and San Diego against San Francisco. All right, since we're on TV, I want you to give me an example, Kevin Barker of what Danny Jansen is doing now that he wasn't doing before. And you're going to have to, as you demonstrate it for people, and I don't like the way you're holding that back. As you demonstrate it for people in TV, you're going to have to walk them through it on the radio. Sure. Well, Siddle talked about his lower half and about when he leaks and gets a little too far on the front side of his knee, that's when he loses his hands. Well, I'm going to talk about his hands because every sw- good swing starts from the ground up, and that's how you repeat a good swing is when your feet's in the right spot and all those things. So for me, it was one thing. Obviously, the mindset of going down and thinking about Ryu, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. He's been paid. Now I'm going to worry about myself, and I have to be, uh, you know, it's it works on both sides of the ball. So what I saw was a little bit of the launch angle. Launch angle. Everybody talks about that, what they're going to do, and dropping the back elbow. Well, Bo Bichette is one of those guys, right? He has the big giant leg kick, and he wants to drop the back elbow to get the barrel in the hitting zone where it stays in the hitting zone a long time. Now, obviously, I'm left-handed, so I'm trying to do this right-handed. So bear with me, and I'm also trying not to break this because my boss will get mad at me. So that's why don't I'm, hurt choking. The, don't that's hurt why the I'm host choking either. up a little bit. But you can get the point. You can see the point. That when he dropped the back elbow last year, it was almost like he was thinking to himself, okay, I'm a little wider. I have a decent base, but now I have to actually think about doing this in parts. I'm going to drop it. I'm going to get it in it. And then it was almost looking like a windmill, like the swing was out and around, and it looked like he's swinging underwater. So he's made a little adjustment with not only his lower half, he's a little closer together. He's using his weight on his backside a little bit better, but also his hands are, he'll get it in there a little bit and level it out because you can tell his swing's a little bit more level because his two-hand finish. It's just the thought process of now it's not two parts. It's not I'm going to however he started. He would start it sometimes straight up and down. He would start it sometimes like this. Now it's, I'm going to get it in there, and I'm just going to do it in one part. I'm not going to there and then swing, and it's out and around, and it's not as quick as it should be. So that allows you to do a couple of things. That allows you to be be a little bit more fluid with your swing, a little bit more quicker with your swing, but most importantly, it allows you to swing at a good pitch. And Siddle mentioned that about he's swinging at better pitches now, and that obviously works from the ground up, which means you're on time, but it also means that, you can catch up to some velocity because it's not two parts. Yeah, and there's so much 
that that's great, Kevin. Thank you. Now put the bat away. No problem. I hope that was decent because I just I got get nervous. Going on I got nervous with you. Up and so yeah. I hope that was okay. I hope, I hope I people saw, understood that. I saw Jim Tracy break his eye bone when Brad Fulmer was swinging the bat in the clubhouse, which is a known findable offense to swing to like take BP, not take BP, but do those fake swings in the clubhouse. Should be a findable offense. That's how you have Kangaroo to buy everybody court. dinner. You don't do team. that, do you? Never. Never. Not even in your sliding shorts when you're struggling and nobody's in there. Not even that. Yeah. You might do it with one of those small short bats that's like this big. Never do it. You may do it. There you go. You learned a little something. Never swing the bat in the clubhouse. No. Never. Jays and Yankees tonight, first of four games. Alec Manoa on the mound for the Yankees. We know that Alec Manoa likes the bright lights. We know that Alec Manoa talks a big game, pitches a big game, tends to tends to deliver in big games, at least early in his career. Um, you saw him in the spring. What are you expecting from him tonight? And will the Yankees see anything different from Alec Manoa? Yeah, I think I think I think my microphone's on. I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the changeup in particular. If they'll see him. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't it's it's I think it's one of those things where uh he they moved him on the rubber a little bit towards the end of last year. That he, you know, he has a different sort of arm slot. It's not straight up and down, it's not sidearm, it's more like three quarters and his sinker, they want it to start on the plate, and if it dives off the plate a little bit, they want it to at least start off the plate where he was at on a little bit closer to the third base side of the rubber it would start off the plate and end up off the plate. Well, that's a non-competitive pitch. So they've moved him a little bit more in the middle of the rubber to make that pitch a little bit more because he does have a, a super heavy ball. And he's going to use change-ups against righties a little bit more. Mm-hmm. R- righties know that they have to get it ready. Like, he has a sneaky, heavy heater, and they know they got to get it ready. So to, you know, to slow down bat speed a little bit, what do you do? Take a little off. You start changing speeds. You start adding a little sync to that. So now you got the 87, 88. Now, I'd love to see that. You know, he works on a little bit more. He maybe tucks it in a little bit more. Maybe that's 85 instead of 87, 88. And, they're, and the difference between the, the fastball and the, and the change-ups a little bit more. But you're going to see a little, a little bit more of that. I expect him to dominate. I, I don't know why, but every time I hear his name, I think he's going to dominate somebody. I just, he just, the way he talks, the way he acts, his demeanor on the mound, I don't care where he's at. He could be on the moon pitching against somebody, and I think he's going to dominate him. So only adding the change up and throwing it a little bit more to both sides is only going to make him that much tougher of a, of a, a pitcher. The pitching matchups for the series are as follows. Alec Manoa against uh, Jamison Tyon. Yusei Kikuchi against Nelson Cortez. Jose Barrios against Garrett Cole and Kevin Gossman against Luis Severino. Jose Barrios with the 108 ERA. It just looks funny. It's never a good sign when there's three That's digits. That's 108? 108. There's never a good sign when there's three digits. That can't be right. Boffo, did you? That can't be right. Only one way to go. Yeah, that's Pass right. Down. That's right. There is only one way to go. There's not much doubt about that. First pitch, 7.05 from the Bronx. Again, Alec Manoa taking on Jameson Tyone. And uh, the Yankees expected, because they are using a, a rotation of players, 
based on everything we're hearing, there is a chance that uh, one of Josh Donaldson or Isaiah Kiner-Falafa will not be in the lineup for uh, the Yankees. My guess is Josh is probably lobbying to be in there. The Yankees took two or three from Boston. Uh, the Aaron Judge situation, something to monitor, obviously. Aaron Judge wanting a contract extension, setting a deadline. It passed without an agreement. He turned down a ton of money. <sighs> Will that be a distraction for the Yankees? Marley Rivera of ESPN covers the Yankees. Marley Rivera joins us next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.